Hi guys, and welcome to Hauntedology. I'm your host, Megan, and I cannot wait to dive into this next episode. It is my belief that every city has a story to tell, and it's our job to listen. So let's see what this special city has to tell us today. If you like this podcast, check out It's a Vet Tech Life and That Girl Needs a Filter, the other two podcasts produced by Megan Noel Podcast. Bonaventure Cemetery is one of the most beautiful cemeteries in the world. However, it was not originally a cemetery to begin with. Bonaventure Cemetery sits upon a bluff above Wilmington River, east of Savannah, Georgia, when the land was owned by Colonel John Mollering. And beginning in 1762 and later by his son-in-law, it was an elegant plantation. Bonaventure is a very historically popular destination for visitors because of its folklore, moss-draped oak trees, and hauntingly beautiful sculptures. The cemetery became famous when it was featured in the 1994 novel, The Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. And that was written by a man named John Barrett. And the movie directed by Clint Eastwood was based on the book and the statue known as Bird Girl featured on the cover of the book actually drew so much attention that it had to be removed from the cemetery for safekeeping along with respect for those laid to rest there. And it is now residing at the Telfair Museum's Telfair Academy in Savannah. Bonaventure is a Savannah staple. It is the largest of the city's municipal cemeteries, containing nearly 160 acres. Today, the cemetery has become so big that it is broken up into different sections. Start in the 14.3 acres that make up the Historic District. The Historic District is where Bonaventure Cemetery began in 1846 as the privately owned Evergreen Cemetery. It was established in 70 acres of the original Bonaventure Plantation when it became obvious that the city's existing cemeteries were nearing capacity. Evergreen Cemetery was designed as a traditional Victorian cemetery with curving pathways and lots of trees and grassy areas. Old cemeteries can sometimes seem like sad places, but in Savannah, they can also serve as a portal to history. Bonaventure Estate was originally a private plantation named Evergreen, and the name changed after the American Revolution. As mentioned, it spans over 60 acres, and the owner, John Mulrine, who was a British loyalist, played an active role in politics. Fortune seemed to be on Mulrine's side when he first settled in his new home on St. Augustine Creek. He built Tybee Lighthouse in those early years, earning the admiration of his fellow citizens. However, this prosperity did not last long. At the onset of the Revolutionary War, American patriots branded British loyalists as traitors. Soon afterwards, local authorities started seizing property and auctioning it to the public, including the land of Mulrine and his son-in-law, Joshua Tattnall. Tattnall County. Over the years, Bonaventure changed hands several times. The property remained private until 1846 when a wealthy hotel owner named Pete Wiltberger bought the place. It was Wiltberger who thought to include a large part of the land as part of a 70-acre cemetery. He incorporated the ruins of the original plantation house using the beautiful oak-lined roads to separate the cemetery into different sections. In 1907, the city purchased the land and made it an official public cemetery. Bonaventure was the number four out of the five cemeteries that the city purchased. In his book, A Thousand Mile Walk to the Gulf, Naturalist John Muir wrote, Bonaventure is called a graveyard, a town of the dead, but the few graves are powerless in such a depth of life. The rippling of living waters, the song of birds, the joyous confidence of flowers, the calm, the undisturbable grandeur of the oaks, 
marked this place of graves as one of the Lord's most favored abodes of life and light. I can having been there sadly too much, I can actually see that because it is it's very beautiful. First time I went there, I was expecting you. I was 1,200 pounds. I was, oh my God, it was hot. It was awful. It was awful. I was miserable. <laughs> I can't even tell you. It was weeks before you were born, maybe a month. And, um, you know, Georgia, South Georgia heat. And um, Did we mention I was due in June? Yeah. It, it was awful. This was in May. Yeah, so it was like walking walking around in hell for me. But um, <laughs> it was just hot. But, no um, pun intended. <laughs> for real. But my grandfather was buried out there. It was the first time I remember going out there. And um, I remember um, just feeling peaceful and, and, and just like forgetting all that misery for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because it, it is. It's the, the marsh and the water just outside where my grandfather's at. And, and those beautiful, beautiful trees with the moss and everything. Um it's, it, it was. It's, it's funny how it's a cemetery, but it does. It has a very calming beauty to it. It does. It really does. So, a little fun fact. There's a lot of notable graves here as well. Mm-hmm. Many famous people have been laid to rest there, including the notable author Conrad Aiken, singer-songwriter Johnny Mercer. Bonaventure Cemetery continues to delight people with its stunning memorial sites and the rich tapestry of the southern residents that call it home. Bonaventure may contain some haunted legacies, but it is an enchanting place that transfixes every visitor that enters its gate. Sad but true, yeah. It's like, okay, you're here for a somber reason, but there's a distraction of the beauty. Yeah, yeah. And uh, God, the gnats. <laughs> that is the one thing you're not distracted from. There's like a gillion gnats out there. I think there. it depends on when you go. Because the last time I went, there was no gnats. Yeah. But um, it, like it's enchanting. I can see it being a plantation. I never knew that. Living here all my life, I never knew it was like originally a plantation house and whatever, you know, everything else. So, I know what you're waiting for. The story about a cemetery, right? Where are the ghosts? Sure. All right. Well... Here are the legends of Bonaventure. The first story is something that actually happened while I was there. So it was two things. The first was while I was visiting the grave of a little girl, I had researched for a story. A man and woman came up behind a friend of mine and myself as we were talking and admiring the grave of little Gracie. And I overheard them speaking to a couple they had come up on that was standing there behind us as well. And they were saying that while they were further back into the original Bonaventure Cemetery, in the same area where Gracie can be found, just much farther back, they said, and I quote, it was the weirdest thing ever. We cannot explain it. The couple that they spoke to had then replied, why? And of course, you know me. I said, I can't perm my ears up and listen. <laughs> this, is, this sounds interesting. So I started listening and they began to tell the story. The other couple explained that they just had the weirdest experience. And they began by saying, we were just walking along, admiring, which I'm assuming to be, you know, the historic beauty of the place. And they said a man came up to them and said he was looking for a little girl and asked, could you help me find her? And the couple said they were a little taken off guard, but agreed to help, even though, you know, they were just walking about the area trying to find this child. They decided to help the man, and they started walking around, and once they went to turn around to look back for him, he was completely gone and out of sight. Okay. This was a big area, okay? Yeah, it's very open. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can see for miles. So, I'm finding it hard to believe that this man could have simply walked off and not at least have been visible in the distance. 
No, I mean, it would have had to been a good 15, 20 minutes before they turned around. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, you can, it, it's a hard place to just vanish in open air. It's just, I don't know. I find yeah. that one hard to. Yeah. You can't, I, can't, I find that one hard to debunk. Okay. Yeah, I got to go with that one. The next two are actual legends. One of the most famous statues from the cemetery is known as Little Wendy, also known as Bird Girl. Visitors may recognize her from the cover of the popular 1994 book, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. The statue Little Wendy stands with a bowl in each hand and her head inclined to one side. The sculptor supposedly modeled her after little Gracie Watson. Okay. The beloved daughter of a hotel owner who died at a very young age in 1889. The sculptor John Walsh created the life-size memorial using only a photograph, and the statues captured the interest of literally everybody that comes to the cemetery. Many locals claim the ghost of Little Gracie haunts her plot. For years, people have reported seeing a little girl that fits her description, as we mentioned in her episode, playing yeah. in Johnson Square, where her father's hotel once stood. And, you know, she appears normal like a living girl until you get too close and she just vanishes. And... You can actually find out more about Little Gracie. As I just said, she has her very own episode. So definitely go back and find it because this little mini speech on her has only barely touched the surface of her fun-spirited, beautifully tragic, and slightly chilling tale. And as I mentioned in her story, I talk about her grave a little bit more in depth, but I mentioned some of the relics that are left there. Mm -hmm. The toys and the playthings and if you want to hear more about that, go back and listen to it because this is about the other items left there. The money, the seashells, things of that nature. Stones. Yeah. So the seashells actually possibly relate to a statue residing in the cemetery known as the shell. She's unlike any of the other ladies at Bonaventure. The graves of George Johnson Baldwin and his wife Lucy Harvey Baldwin reside in front of her. The alcove surrounding the sculpture contains the verse from Mark 10:15. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. So a blocker who does various traveling to cemeteries to spread their stories and photos of their beautiful sculptures, such like the ones in Bonaventure, he was actually quoted on his blog saying this about the sculpture. I did not realize until recently when I saw the verse inscribed on the wall behind the statue of Shell Girl, why a child was represented. So Shell Girl is actually a child. Okay. A child angel yeah. holding a shell. So... The statue of Shell Girl, it took him a while to kind of realize why it was a child that was represented. He said he initially thought that the couple had lost a child. But instead, the reason they chose a little girl was to emphasize the importance of having a childlike okay. faith. Makes sense. So if you look up an image of the sculpture of the little angel girl, and she has this alcove behind her, her wings on her back. Like is depicted of most angels I've ever seen, which the only thing that's really going to set her apart is the scalloped seashell she is holding, which actually has its roots in Christianity. Okay. So for those of you who maybe live in other regions of the world, because I know a lot of our listeners are kind of in the Europe area, mm -hmm. maybe your beliefs are a little different than ours. I'm going to explain this a little farther in detail. The roots of the scallops and the seashells and christianity are part of christian iconography the seashell more specifically the scallop itself is a symbol for baptism sometimes people would even leave flowers in the shell this is the only sound explanation i can find as to why so many shells are left by graves of bonaventure especially little gracie's as she died as a child yeah i never knew that about shells you're welcome <laughs> 
I know it either. I, well, yeah, but my daddy was a preacher. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. Maybe you should pay more attention on Sunday. You know, I probably should have. <laughs> I've actually, I never heard that until I started looking it up. So that would explain why I kept seeing shells at her grave. Exactly. So the stones and rock, that was something else. That was, I could, we couldn't really place that at all. So, of course, I had to look that up too. So amongst the shells and the money, which I'll hit on in a minute, that was there at little Gracie's gravesite, there was a lot of stones. And I didn't have much time to explore. You know, it's easy to get lost. It's a big place. And I didn't realize also that it closed at 5 p.m. <laughs> so I didn't really want to get locked in a cemetery overnight. Yeah, no. So, you know, I didn't really get to go exploring too heavily much. I kind of went there for who I was going to see and did my business and left. Gotcha. So I would like to go back and actually explore. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, so that's why most of the focus is on Gracie's grave when I speak of Bonaventure, because hers was the main reason for my going there. Right. However, there were a ton of stones by her graves in particular, and there were some at the Johnny Mercer grave and graves like that, but if you really want to see pictures of what this looks like, you can go to the podcast Instagram at Hauntedology, and the reasoning for these stones are actually kind of rather Grim. So there are several explanations as to why visitors leave small stones or pebbles on someone's grave. And it was Jewish tradition, but it's not strictly. For thousands of years, people were buried in tombs or directly in the earth where they had fallen. Stones were then rolled in front of the tomb as a way of sealing it from scavengers, keeping evil spirit from escaping out into the world. And for those buried in the ground, rocks and stones were placed on top of the shallow grave to keep animals from digging up the body. Okay. These stacks of stones were also known as carns. Carns can be found all over the world and in a variety of size from a few rocks to man-made hills. And they were built not only as funeral monuments, but also for certain cemeteries and defense. Today, they're still constructed as marks, trails, and sea marks, and sculptures, and memorials. Another reason rocks have been left on graves, this is based on Eastern European folklore, is the belief that the dead could haunt their burial place or return to their family and cause trouble. Stones and rocks were used to prevent the deceased from rising up and escaping the body as a spirit to torment others. Okay. Now, back to Jewish custom. It's also in their customs to place a stone or a pebble on a headstone to indicate that you have visited the grave and to indicate respect for the deceased. Today, however, leaving a stone of remembrance is viewed more of a way of continuing this tradition of commemoration. The more stones found at a grave, the more the deceased has been visited and remembered by others. Which would explain why hers has so many. Yeah. People literally come from all over just to see her. That's so funny. I never knew anything about her. So, symbolically, these stones can indicate many things. That love and remembrance are as strong as a lasting rock. That... Stones last forever, so does love. Even a belief that the deceased is with God, since in the Old Testament refers to God as a rock. Like, the Lord is my rock, Psalms 18.2. So, regardless of how the custom came about, it's still an incredible way to remember and respect those that have passed on. So, you can pick and choose as to why they leave them there. You can go to the grim side. You can go to the Christian, the respect. You can go to whatever side you want to. But those are where the beliefs kind of come from. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought I found it kind of interesting, you know, too. You know, a lot of people do um, those, like you decorate a rock and take it somewhere you go on vacation. You know, I I saw a decorated rock by her grave. I can believe that. It's really big now. And, and you see where the rock travels, or I can't remember exactly how it works. But it's interesting that that was the choice. Maybe that's where it came from. Because mm-hmm. I always kind of wonder, where did the rock come from? 
I mean, what's the big deal? Who thinks to decorate a rock and leave it somewhere? Yeah, that's kind of cool. So another thing that I found, not only on Gracie's grave, but on Johnny Mercer's grave area and other areas that I don't really remember much of because, like I said, I didn't get to hang around. But I saw a lot of money. Yeah, I've actually heard a little bit about the money, like um, so um, like soldiers' graves is, is the mm-hmm. big thing. Um, with Arlington, that's yeah. what I had heard. And so, yeah, the money that wouldn't have overly surprised me. I just wouldn't know any meanings. Well, in normal cemeteries and normal towns. Leaving money on the grave of fallen military service members is common. These coins have distinct meanings when they're left on the headstones of those who gave their life while serving America's military. And these meanings vary depending on the denomination of the coin. So, a coin left on the headstone of a gravesite is a meant as a message to the deceased soldier's family that someone else has visited to pay the grave respect. Leaving a penny means that you simply visited. A nickel indicates you and the deceased trained at boot camp together. Leaving a dime means you served together in some capacity. Leaving a quarter at the grave, you were telling the family that you were with the soldier when they were killed. I knew that. I knew there was something, but I didn't know what it was. Well, in other normal cemeteries, in other normal towns, the practice can be traced back to Greek mythology, even. Hmm. If it's not, like, military grave, if it's just a civilian grave site, Mm -hmm. It could even be traced back to, like I said, Greek mythology. By far, the most popular reason I've found for at least leaving pennies or other coins on headstones is based in Greek mythology. According to the legend, Charon, the ferryman of Hades, requires payment of at least one coin to ferry your soul across the river of Styx that separates the living from the dead. Historically, the coins were placed in the mouths of the deceased or, according to some sources, over the eyes. Yeah, I mean, that sounds terrible. I watched too much TV. But it seems like there was some old movie or something. They put the coins on the eyes. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, they should lay them on there. It's not like they did anything. Well, yeah, else. I was thinking about the mouth part. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, I want that germ thing uh, in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. For all eternity? <laughs> I'm like, puke. But I have also heard the, the, the myth, the whatever. That you have to pay the dude. Yeah, to ferry your soul yeah, across. To your soul, to, yeah. yeah. Now, what does it mean in Savannah? Hmm. More specifically, what does it mean in Bonaventure? A city that is not normal. Uh-huh. A city that is haunted. Well, things might be a little more sinister here. As with everything in Bonaventure, somehow, some way, it always comes back to little Gracie. Oh my goodness. For some more digging, per the request of my mother and co-host... I found a more sinister side to the money being left at her grave more than anyone else's in particular. So you're welcome. (laughs) It seems another force is said to be at work in the cemetery. And this is the force of the hellhounds. I heard about those things. Supernatural. So if you don't get enough um, information from me, you can definitely go to Charmed or Supernatural like her and get your information. <laughs> but unfortunate visitors have reported run-ins with infernal ghost dogs who wander the cemetery after dark looking for prey. Victims have reported having their ankles bitten on and feeling breath on their heels. They've reported hearing barks and snarls from various areas where no dogs are present. And as if this isn't chilling enough, Savannah's little Gracie is tied into this legend as well. Okay, poor old Gracie. Some stories say that when you encounter these hellhounds or you hear the sounds or feel the breath or whatever, if you run to Gracie's statue, that will defray the hounds as she protects wandering visitors. Oh, sweet girl. 
It is said that there is a war between good and evil at Bonaventure Cemetery, and visitors should hope the good fortune of Bonaventure shields them from the harm and brings them to prosper. So if I were you, I would bring some coins and give them to Gracie. I do believe I would too. And even more so, I wouldn't stay in the cemetery after five because they're going to lock you up in there with the hellhounds. So write that down in your day planner. No, it's not where I have to pay for those gates. Mm-mm. I guarantee you I'm coming out somehow. Oh, I know. Um, when we were talking about that on the way out, we looked at the um, thing. It's like a little tiny master lock from Walmart. <laughs> well, <laughs> like you cut that up with a pair of bolt cutters. You got a pair of bolt cutters in the cemetery with you? We had a truck. <laughs> I, I can promise there is some way I would come out of that cemetery. Oh, I'd be climbing the gate. Truck or no truck. Drive that truck through them. I, <laughs> I, I made me a new back door. So, to save you from making the same mistakes I did... Take bolt, bolt take bolt cutters. <laughs> Not really, though. To save you from making the same mistake I did, if you're planning a trip to Bonaventure, here are the hours and some general information. The cemetery is open from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day of the year. It's free to enter. There are two small parking areas on the side of each entry gate. And you can also drive a little bit in there. And there's little places where you can, like, drive in and park mm-hmm. and, like, walk around. But just because I'm a crime junkie like that... I'm going to lock my car and take my stuff with me. Just saying. Um, On top of that, though, Bonaventure, fair warning, you guys. It's over 170 years old and features very few modern amenities. Pee before you go in. <laughs> okay? The only bathrooms that are there and are available to the public is one standalone building near the soda machine by the parking lot area inside the Jewish gate and the others near the grave locator outside the visitor center. However, I will also tell you, wear comfy shoes. There are a lot of roots. And if you're close mm-hmm. like me, you're going to trip. So wear comfy shoes, like wear your tennis shoes. And if you plan to go it alone, it's a big place, especially without a map. Another tip, get a map. I didn't have a map. And trust me, it didn't go well. The only reason I found the grave I was looking for is because I happened to run into a lady who was finishing her tour and she took me over there. So, get the map, which I didn't know was a thing. Anyways, if you don't want to venture it out and go it on your own, which, I mean, you know, it may not always be the smart thing to do, you can always check into one of their tours. They offer a lot of tours and... They take you around on, like, these little golf carts, and they take you to the different graves, and they tell you, like, the stories about all the different people that are buried there. So, it's really, really cool, and if you don't want to just kind of wander around amongst yourself and discover stuff, like I do, I personally like to go there and take pictures. I love the statues, so I use it for more of a photographic memorial opportunity, but if you're into more of the historical sightseeing getting all the best of Savannah in while you're there kind of thing, I would definitely recommend the tour. So if you really want to see this place, definitely check out their website because they have tons of stuff on there about their tours. And always, always, always go see little Gracie and bring her a coin, a stone, some kind of little trinket and just stop by and say hey because she apparently really likes her visitors. Hi guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hauntedology. I'm your host Megan and I greatly appreciate it. I do all of the writing for these shows myself, so it means a lot that you guys sit here and listen to what I have to say. Like I said, I believe every city has a story to tell and I want to tell it. So don't forget if you want to keep up and not miss anything even social media wise you can always 
hit me up on the Instagram page for the podcast at hauntedology or my personal Instagram at Megs underscore Noel. That's N-E-G-G-S underscore N-O-E-L or on Twitter at hauntedology and at Megan Noel Fit.